The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 298 for Tuesday, November 16th, 2010. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where usually... You write the agenda. You ask us questions. You provide tips. We share our answers. We share our own tips. But today, we're actually, you're You're writing some of the agenda. That's right. But it's a cool stuff found show today, folks. The hopper got too full. We didn't do one in October. So today is the day. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I am Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun. And then back up to you, Dave. I know. Right next to me again. It's almost like it's becoming a habit is Pilot Pete. Thanks for having me back. guys. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Starting to be a habit again. You're right. I know. It's a good thing. I got to say, though, I don't like these cool stuff found shows. You don't, huh? Yeah, they're very expensive. (laughs) You you are not the only listener to tell us that. (laughs) All right. Let's dive right in. We've got uh, we've got some sponsors to talk about, too. Of course, we have. Uh, I think I think Pete says he's got a stump the geek question, which I I believe hits a little close to home for him. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but uh, but let's dive right in with one that you did send in from Kevin. Hey, Mac geeks, it's Kevin here, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Um, I'm just recording this on my new iPhone four in the voice memo app. So All right, hopefully it sounds good. Sounds great. Um, just a quick tip on your last show. You guys were talking about RAM. And how to determine what kind of RAM, uh, you know, to, how much to get for whatever machine and what specs you need, that sort of thing. Um, Mac Tracker is a cool app. It's on the iPhone and I believe on the iPad as well. Um, it's called Mac Tracker and it will tell you the specs for any machine going back, for, you know, 10 years at least. Um, so it's a really cool app. It also works on OS X. Um, I'm not sure if it works in Snow Leopard. I was looking on their site, and I didn't see support for Snow Leopard. So, um, But anyways, check it out. It's really cool, and I use it all the time to, to determine what, what RAM to put in, in Macs. Uh, love the show. Thanks a lot. Okay, bye. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, that's MacTracker.ca. And, uh, and I believe it does run on Snow Leopard. I know I've run it, uh, Absolutely. Run it recently. Okay. I decided to take the hit for the team. And here's the other good thing about that piece of software, Dave. What's that, John? So I tried it on my portable. Is that it shows the uh, sometimes uh, hard to determine actual and the Apple recommended value. So I looked up uh, your, I looked up the machine that you and I have, which, as, as everybody should know, although Apple says it can take four, it can actually take six. So these guys actually listed. They say actual six, Apple, four gigabytes of RAM. Okay. So, um, so I'm convinced that that's an accurate tool for, for telling you reality. Cool. Well, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that tool. You know, and I I, I was going to say, I think they have a dashboard board widget, but I don't think they do. I'm confusing that with something else. But yeah, that's that's one of those tools again. And, and of course, that's sort of the basis for these shows is uh, that we we rely on it so much that we forget that, that that it's as useful as it is. And we certainly forget to recommend it. But uh, but yeah, Mac Tracker is awesome. All right. Uh, moving on to, uh, listener David wrote in and said, if you option click in any window in an app, all the windows in the last active app will hide. And then when you reactivate that app, it will reappear. I discovered this by accident. Also, if you option click one of the three buttons in the upper left corner of a finder window, 
all the Finder windows will do the same. Well, that's pretty cool. Have you tried tried this? this? Well, I tried it and I had mixed results. What I was able to get to work, Dave, was if I held down option and clicked on a visible portion of the desktop. Okay. I found that that would minimize, but but I didn't find... uh, So I I was a bit unclear exactly where you should be clicking in order to get this to happen. And it didn't happen if I clicked in a window or... Got it. So let's say, and I just tried this here. So I've got, uh, I've got your Jimbo open and I've got multiple windows open in that app, right? If I then option click in a window for another app, for, for example, Safari, as soon as I do that, all the Yojimbo windows have now hidden. Okay. I think that's the part he, uh, the part that was missing. Okay. Right. right. Cause I yes. just tried that and the same sort of thing happened. So it, 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 not clicking in the active window, but clicking in either, uh, either the desktop or, a window of a background app. So Correct. In, or in another app. That's right. Yes. Got it. That's yep. 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 And if you option click one of the three buttons in the upper left corner of a finder window, all of the finder windows will do the same. Um, oh, I see what he's saying. Uh, so if I, if I hit the little yellow thing that minimizes one finder window, if I option click the little yellow thing, it minimizes all finder windows. Oh, that's very interesting. I bet it works for all the apps too. Like Safari, if you have several Safari windows open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I bet that, I bet you're right. Yeah, and it, and you know it, the option click. Uh, what it does, of course, is it uh, modifies what's gonna what's gonna happen. But you can sometimes see that, as we talked about, if in the Finder, for example, you go to the File menu and you just leave it open, and then hold down the option or start toggling the option key up and down. You can see quite a few things change uh, with regards to this particular tip. Close window changes into close all, which uh, which which fits what what he was talking about. Um, and and again, same with uh, minimize and zoom in the window menu of the Finder. If you option click or op- hold down option, you'll see those change from minimize and zoom to minimize all and zoom all, which is pretty darn cool. We like that kind of stuff. It's magic. It's uh, it. Yeah. Well, it shows that uh, somebody's thinking out there. You thinking about anything, John? I, I have a few. Uh, Go take one. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you a little story and I'll tell you what I was doing today. So it's a, uh, I was cleaning up my office and I found a second generation iPod shuffle. Okay. You remember this little guy, a little, yeah. you know, kind of like a tie tack and, uh, yep. And it was it was totally dead. So you know, I plugged it in the computer, and it it seemed to detect because I used hardware growler that something was inserted. And then iTunes started up, and it said, "Oh, there's new software." And then everything started wigging out, and the thing totally disappeared. Like, oh, great. So poking around a bit here, uh, there is something that will reset this class of machine, and and I'll link to the support article. Because this is what I had to do to get it to, to come back to life. So I don't. It was in some weird state, or maybe the the update got interrupted. But it's called iPod Reset Utility. Oh. And it's on the Apple site. And I never knew this existed because I never ran into this problem. And I haven't used this particular unit for quite a while. Oh. Uh, it could be because the, you know, the battery was totally dead. Sure. And I think it was charging up and then it tra- tried to deal with it and then something bad happened. But anyways, there is a utility because if you recall, the, the shuffle really doesn't have too much in the way of user, uh, user feedback mechanism other than a single LED. Yeah. So a, It's a nice LED though, isn't it? So whereas other... Uh, well, yeah, it's green and, and amber, and, you know, that's really nice. But unlike other 
iPods that show you, and, and there's a special icon that they'll show when the battery is totally dead or near dead. I, I think it actually has, you know, red, and then it shows like a lightning bolt through. And this means, you know, the battery is so dead. All I can do is tell you the battery is so dead. Right. And I'm not going to do anything else for a little while. And I think maybe this thing's in that state, but it wasn't able to tell me. So. So cool. I got more, but that okay. uh, that was just a uh, very topical because it, it just I just did that this morning. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's good stuff. Um, all right, you, you know, let's go to our let's go to our first sponsor, which is AudioEngineUSA.com. Audio Engine, as you might imagine, and if you've been a listener to the show for a while, you already know they make stuff to do with sound. Typically, they started with speakers. They've made a couple other cool things too, but uh, I do want to talk about. They're the second set of speakers that they came out with the audio engine twos. These are desktop speakers. And I have to be honest, these are some of the best desktop speakers I've ever used. They're 199 bucks for the pair. Uh, it's two separate speakers, two separate enclosures inside the enclosures uh, are uh, two speakers, a piece, a low end speaker, a high end speaker. And then there's a little slot, which is acts as a base port to give them more low end. Uh, these things, you know, they'll fit on your desktop. They're about six inches tall. They come in black or white. And uh, and they've been engineered to reproduce sounds from MP3s. So when, when music is compressed to MP3, it, it, it changes it somewhat. Um, and the audio engine guys know this. And so what they did was they built their speakers to have an EQ pattern it highlights the the and, and compensates for the changes that happen to music when it uh, when it's converted to MP3. So you get this really rich, true sound out of uh, out of your music uh, or out of your speakers. You can plug these into a computer. Uh, they've got a mini eight port so you can plug them into your iPod. It comes with all the cables you would need to do any of that, uh, including the cables to connect the speakers together to each other, to connect the speakers to your to your computer, to your iPod, even to like a little stereo unit, a uh, little stereo amplifier, uh, not amplifier, but, but, a uh, you know, a little receiver that that's kind of redirecting sound for you. So uh, again, this is all available at audio It's 199 bucks, but there's a coupon code I have for you. It's M G G T E N. So that's M G G 10 gets you, as you might guess, 10% off at audio So go check it out. And uh, and they do offer a 30 day money back guarantee. They call it a 30 day free audition. Uh, so you can uh, if you don't like it, you send it back and you get all your money back. No restocking fees. None of that craziness. So audio engine dot com. All right, John, let's uh, let's go on to Connor. Connor wrote in. I'm trying out a new pro email program based on Mozilla's Thunder Thunderbird project called Postbox. Uh, it's at postbox-inc.com. Got a lot of really cool features that I'm liking, although it does have a few quirks so far. I am really impressed. Maybe you can give it a look. Did you take a look at this, John? No. No, not at all? No. It's, um, you know, I'm a male type of guy, Dave. I, 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 I can't. You can't ask me to make these drastic changes all the time. I mean, come on. I agree with you. Uh, it, it does. It's a it. It kind of has a um, it's a it looks similar to mail, but it's got this three pane thing going on where you pick hmm. your folder and then you can have topics uh, and even favorite contacts and stuff listed. So, uh, 
you know, it's one of these things. The good news is that it is a cross platform uh, deal. At least I'm pretty darn certain that it's a cross platform deal. Need windows. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and, and the reason I say that's a good thing is let's, let's face it. A lot of the development for Mac only email clients has ground to a halt. And that's because of the success of mail. But if you don't like mail, or if you do like something like Postbox better, look for something that's being developed cross platform. If they've already figured out their development path and they're going cross platform with it, you've got a good chance of this product continuing to be updated and and supported. Um, Whereas I think, I think the market for a Mac only third party email client is, is shot. But yeah, this one's, this one's interesting. It's got some, uh, some features like a quick reply kind of thing where when you're reading a message, you can, you can hit the a little button and it, it automatically builds a reply and you just type it right there. Um, obviously you can quick reply all, but uh, it's an interesting little interface. It's clean. I, I, I like it. You should check it out. Uh, yeah. Pete's asking oh, me how much it is. I know yeah. how much it is, Dave. It is for a single copy, thirty nine ninety five, and they have a postbox two family pack. That will allow up to five people, and that's fifty nine ninety five. Cool. See, I read your mind. <laughs> Thanks. Actually, you read Pete's mind. I would have totally forgotten about it, but Pete's right. See, Pete's the one that, that like many of you, Pete's the one that goes out and buys all the stuff we talk about here. Yeah. Uh, well, lucky for Pete, so, they have a thirty day trial on this, and and it even says on the main page, so you know it's smart enough to detect your browser, and it says, oh, if you need Windows, you know there's a small link. So uh, right, right. In fact, yeah, if you haven't found the right client yet, which I have, Dave. That's excellent, John. I'm so happy for you. Well, except for one thing, which I'll toss it in as a quick tip. I I, I talked about this before I did a gadget on it. We we talked a little bit, but the uh, signature profiler plugin. Remember, that was the that was my only fish shake or not a fish shake, but a finger wag at mail app is that its signature support kind of stinks and that it's really non-existent or it's not too smart. Let's put it that way. It'll let you do signatures, but but for. The way I'm configured, where I have multiple addresses tied to a, another address, yep. it, it just it, it can't deal with that situation. I can't hack very it. Very well. No. So that's something I'll link to as well. And, you know, the guy's been updating it. And, well, once it's in place, I mean, I, I don't even know what's there. It just does what I would have expected MailApp to do, which is, you know, provide the signature keyed on who the person's sending to. Yep. Right? Okay. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that signature profile is cool. You mentioned that. Uh, yeah, I guess I think it was a previous cool stuff found show when when you first introduced that. But, uh, it's good stuff. All right, moving on to a comment from Jeff. Hey, John and Dave, it's Jeff from Denver, Colorado. I was just listening to episode two eighty nine, and John was talking about uh, using Safari to download a YouTube video. I actually found an extension. If you have Safari five, you can install an extension. It puts a button beneath the YouTube video where the like and all that is. And if you click on that button, it gives you options to download the video in both Flash or MP4 in the different resolutions available. Uh, I will send you an email that has a link that you can put on the show notes. This is where you cut me off. All right. We'll try to cut you off. Oh, yeah. See, I got to push the buttons. Uh, Yeah. So this is uh, this is that's it's cool. Uh, have you used that one, John? I know you were using quite a few of these. You, you well, I looked at there. So, so the one that he's recommending, yeah, it's fastest tube. Correct. Dot quizu k w i z z unit. Dot com. What are we Canadian now? Well, I'm trying to slip into my phonetic uh, alphabet. There. All right. 
<laughs> or saying Zed. Well, that's also that uh, everybody in the that's, world says that, that except Zulu us. Zulu in the NATO phonetic alphabet? Oh, yeah. probably, but you know what I mean when I say Zed. I did. I did. Yeah, I think we're the only people that say Z. Everybody else in the world says Zed. Anyways, there's another one I found, and I think it, it, it's almost identical. It's another extension. It's called YouTube Video Downloader for Safari, and it, it does a similar thing. Is that all of a sudden you'll see this button, and you know it's funny because once it's there, you, you kind of expect it to be there. But mm. yeah, you just get a download button, and it will typically, as he said, that this one does the same thing. It gives you a choice of FLV or MP4 uh, to save it. Because I guess it really is an MP4 in there. It's just covered with an FLV wrapper. Uh, is that is that is it always that way? I guess it is. Yeah. Uh, sometimes. Yeah. All right. I think uh, that's always the case. I think FLV can support MP4, but I think you right. can put other things within an FLV file using Got another it. type of encoder. But yeah, having that option is uh yeah. So we'll link to both of those. They they, they look pretty identical in what they do. Yeah, I found it to be nice because I was using, uh, I was doing some stuff for work and uh, was trying to basically create a little podcast feed for guys to be able to see some of the videos that were being put out. And uh, of course, it wasn't YouTube; it was on a private server, and there was no option to download. Like in, at least sometimes there is in YouTube, and right. so that helped perfectly. I was able to pull it down, convert it to the proper format for the iPhone, and and set uh, it up. So it's very useful. Cool, very cool. Uh, we got an email from Greg uh, with. Uh, actually, with more Safari extensions, one of them is the one you just mentioned, John, YouTube Downloader. One is Save Tabs, which uh, does just what you might think, where it saves your Safari tabs. Uh, another is No More iTunes, a very handy little idea. A lot of times when you click on an iTunes link, it brings you to the page uh, in Safari to show you the iTunes page. And then it launches iTunes in the background, which you may or may not want to have happen. And this no more iTunes Safari extension is for those of you in the latter camp. Uh, so that's uh, that's another good one. And then he's got two uh, two Facebook extensions that he recommends. One is Facebook Photo Zoom which is a handy little thing. And then also Facebook ads blocker, which of course I can't get behind, but, uh, but you know, we share all things here. So off you go. Uh, got any, got anything on any of those, John, have you used, uh, have you used any of those? Mm, just the, uh, the, the down, I, I think he's talking about the same one. There, there seems to be quite it, it, a few of yeah, few, no, he, something similar. He is. He's talking about that, that same one. All right. No. Uh, and then I think it was another Greg that sent in, a comment about a, a little app called Grabbox, which is at Grabbox double B together, like they're supposed to be, whatever that means. Uh, Grabbox.devsoft.no. What Grabbox does is uh, it's for those of you that have uh, Dropbox accounts, which are available for free. In fact, we'll even put a link in the show notes that'll get you an extra 250 megs and also sends us an extra 250 megs for the Dropbox, but you get two gigs. So two two fifty free. Um, what Grabbox does is it reacts to, it, it, as per their description, reacts to screenshots that you take. It automatically copies the screenshot once you take it to your Dropbox public folder, and then puts the URL for that screenshot in your clipboard. So you can take a screenshot, and then the next step you make is you paste that into an email. You paste it. You could paste it into your Twitter feed. You know whatever you want to do. And boom, you've got an instantly publicly shareable screenshot without having to do any uploading or any, you know, craziness. So the thing I can't understand is why I have known about this one for like three weeks since he sent it in and I haven't installed it yet because it sounds 
frankly perfect and and saves a lot of hassle and headache so that's uh that's a good one i like that have you have you tried this one john i i read up on it yeah i got the same out of it that you did as, okay uh, yeah it's something that wow that's useful <laughs> I, I, yeah i know the more i think about it the more i think my what what's my problem here uh, this would be good for very a very quick support incident, like yeah. rather than firing up some, uh, you know, firing up a utility. I mean, a, a snapshot could get the point across as far as like, you know, well, try to tell me what you're saying. No, no, no. Let's just do this. So I guess the only thing is you got to make sure that the person that, yeah, I got to get my parents set up with Dropbox. That's right. Oh, yeah. And then share a folder between them like you and I do. Yep, so yep, that, yep. 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 Um, speaking of Dropbox, Dave sent in a little audio comment about Dropbox. Hey guys, it's Dave. Just wanted to give you guys a heads up or a tip for uh, Dropbox. I know everybody uses it and loves it. Um, they recently expanded their referral thing to allow you to earn up to 10 extra gigs free. But I also just learned about something last week that I hadn't heard of anywhere. Um, they have some type of education program discount. So basically, if you go to dropbox.com slash edu, um, if you can basically link your account to a to an email address with a .edu extension. They'll double your space for your referrals. So normally when you do a referral, you gain an extra 500 megs. If you have it linked to an EDU, you gain an extra, um, I'm sorry, 250. If you link to an EDU, you gain 500. And they actually do it recursively in that. It's not only for future referrals, but it's also referrals that you've done. So um, I linked mine and now I got 20 plus gigs free and I still haven't even used all my referrals so um, it's pretty cool just figured I'd throw that out there because uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are college students that listen or professors or whatever or even if you uh, happen to know a non-geek that is in college that would let you link your address um, you can get a lot more free space alright this is where you cut me off you know, on, thanks, Dave. On to that latter point, if uh, if there's any of you out there, see now, of course, by listening to the show, you you don't fall into the category of non geek so you're probably going to want to use your address for yourself. But if you don't, John and I wouldn't, uh, we certainly wouldn't be against testing this feature out for uh, for you. Can I, let me add in there? If if you're a student, high school or college, and you're not saving your papers to a Dropbox folder on your computer, then you're insane. I help my niece write her get her thesis back off her hard drive, then turn around to Dropbox way too late. But yeah, I mean, because that's the beauty. If even if you delete your thesis, you got 30 days to go get it back. Yeah. It's right there. So, yep. I mean, it, it's free backup. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's uh, you know, I, um, I got to my desk this morning and my MacBook pro was off. Now, uh, I haven't really been at my desk much. I actually was was here a little bit yesterday. Um, there were some complications following my wife's surgery. So we were actually back in the hospital a little bit uh, just prior to the weekend. And uh, she is doing fine now and, and, and back on the back on the, the road of progress here. But uh, but so I get to my desk my first day of being able to, you know, sit down and, and actually do some stuff in the morning and my computer's off. Well, that That's kind of weird. I expected it would have gone to sleep, but off. Huh? So I try to wake it up and no, and I finally, you know, hold down the power button enough. I finally get it to come up and I realize it's booting from my backup drive, my clone drive. 
And at that point is was, you know, once it booted up, I realized it says, you know, we can't uh, should I initialize this disk that you've inserted because I, I can't recognize it. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, may, maybe not quite yet, because I think that's my other hard drive. But uh, let's take a look. And it had been since the 10th was the last time the clone ran because my computer's essentially been asleep at clone time since then. Now, a time machine has been backing up, but restoring from a time machine backup is a whole lot more time intensive than simply booting from my clone drive. And as I said, I hadn't been at my desk, uh, you know, hadn't, I, there was stuff I needed to do. I couldn't just jack around with my computer all morning. So I booted up from it, but realized, okay, I'm five days old on this. But the reality was uh, with Dropbox, having all my documents on my, on my Dropbox folder and all my mail and IMAP, I, I really didn't miss anything. The only thing that I didn't have on the old drive uh, or on the clone drive was that I had updated to 1065 on my laptop and uh, and had not done that on the clone drive yet. Now, whether whether that had something to do with why things corrupted, I don't know. Uh, I was able to get it to mount the drive after I, I used Disk Warrior, which really I tried every other tool, Drive Genius, Disk Utility, um, and one other that I can't, that doesn't come to mind right now, but disc warrior was the only one that got it back, but didn't get everything. Something got corrupted. So I'm starting to wonder if maybe there is something going on with my hard drive. Uh, you remember, John, this was the drive that, that had a similar problem when I sent it into Apple. Um, I don't know what happened here. It, it tests. Okay. Everything seems fine, but, uh, I'm going to format it again. In fact, I intended on doing that while we were recording the show, but it's been such a crazy day. I didn't even have time to start it before we started the recording. But as, as Pete, to, to Pete's point, Dropbox made that a completely seamless thing. As soon as I booted up, it synced down from Dropbox and I, I, it was all as though nothing had changed. I mean, I really, I was good to go. Yeah. I, I can't even remember. I may have updated an app or something in the, in the meantime, but if I did, it'll re-update, you know. That that stuff's out there, so yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, well, you know, and it made me think. I don't think I, I you know, I, I'm not sure that the next computer I buy for myself as a main machine will be a laptop, uh, and that'll be the first time since 1998 that I will that I will do that. Mm. But but I don't need it. I don't need. Well, I don't need one machine that I can bring with me everywhere. And that was the reason to move to a laptop because I, I can bring a laptop with me, but with all this stuff in the cloud, I, I don't have to, I don't have to do anything. I, that, you know, I just, my data is wherever I am as opposed to, I have to bring it with me on, on one device. It's now on any device. So I think I'm going to get a, you know, it's screaming iMac or, uh, or I don't, I don't know that a Mac pro is really warranted for, me having in the office, but, but certainly an iMac is, you know, a lot more horsepower for the buck. Um, so I'll have to, you know, I have to play with it, but, uh, but that's, that's kind of my thought. Sure. Yeah, so Dave speaking, me. I'm not speaking. Well, I was going to speak. Do you have some Pete? No, I was going to say, yeah, mm-hmm. well, now you got an excuse to get a MacBook Air. Yeah. Well, see, that's have, what I'm thinking. Have the powerhouse at home, MacBook Air on the road. Yep. That's right. All right. That's sorry right. to interrupt you. So you, you were talking about 1065, Dave. Yes. <clears throat> and I got, a, I got a sad tale, but I was able to fix the problem. So here's a sad tale. So I upgraded to 10.6.5 because even though I had no reason to, I, I just wanted to be part of the group of people that, that, you know, dope in and did it. Okay. Just, you know, sense of community. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <sighs> Much to my dismay, when I started mail, it came up and said, incompatible plugin, yes. disabled. Mail has disabled the following plugin. And in this case, 
it's something that I like using, and, and some other people may want to know about it as well, uh, called GrowlMail. Okay. You know what Growl is. Growl is a notification system, and the Growl package actually includes an optional, uh, I believe it, it's an optional install in the, in the Growl installer, that, duh, it's a plug-in for mail. And when messages come in, it'll show you like a brief preview in a Growl alert, and you can you know set the timing, just like all of the Growl things. But unfortunately... Every uh, even a point upgrade like this from 10.64 to 10.65 changes something somewhere where all of a sudden mail thinks that the plugin is not compatible. It is. And I'll link to an article. There are two things you could do. You can either do some voodoo on the terminal, which changes some. I think it's UUID or some uh, plugin signature and tells mail. No, no, it's really OK. Or you can just download a new bundle, which is uh, what I turned out to do. In this case, and then the warning went away. So that was the only trauma I ran into with ten six five. Other than that, it seems to, you know, I, I won't say it changed my life, but um, nothing, nothing seems, nothing else is broken. Right, right. Um, all right, uh, let's uh, let's let's move on a little bit. I think, uh, John, we've we've heard your tale of woe from the iPod, and I I didn't even realize I was going to share my tale of woe with my hard drive. But we, I think Pete's got a tale of woe that we're going to oh, hear. No. I think Pete's got a couple of them. But you know what? Let's let's talk about some positive things before we before we loop back to yet another uh, tale of woe here. And uh, and Jeff sent us a link to uh, something he says. I just found this on Lifehacker, something called Media Rover. He said from the article, it seems to be the perfect solution for the long talked about iTunes on multiple machines issue. I only use one machine, so I can't really test it out. If it works as it seems, it would be invaluable. Now, this is available at MediaRover.com. I did reach out to them uh, when this came in and I, I asked him, I said, you know, is this what I think it is where or what it could be? where it's uh, one iTunes library shared amongst multiple machines. And no, it is not that. What it does is it syncs your iTunes library uh, amongst all your machines. And and they're looking that, you know, they have the technology in place to to make this, you know, one library everywhere, you know, one library shared amongst everything happen. But but there's some questions. And, you know, the first question that came up with was, well, if you link all the files and then someone's PC goes offline, you then can't play that file and you can't add it to your iPhone if you're doing it from your computer. So what happens? You know, what happens if the user then deletes that file? Um, and and, you know, if they're linking and syncing things like most played and ratings, whose library wins or does it have to be added together? So they've got some. They've got some questions about how best to do that and that they're that they're reviewing there. And if you have any thoughts, send them in. We'll we'll pass them right back to Media Rover. Um, so that that was kind of their that was their that was their question back to me. But, yeah, this looks pretty cool. And it does. It syncs the libraries everywhere. So you can have everything everywhere. But again, you're making multiple copies of, of all these songs with with this. Pete, you you got something? No. Oh, OK. Sorry. I, I, sorry. No, it's all right. Without you having your computer here, I, I have to go on body language. That's so. right. <laughs> uh, John, any any uh, anything to add to this one before we move on? No. No. All right. Uh, then I guess we move on to Tony. And, uh, Tony writes, uh, if if you need to help someone with their computer and helper and helpy both have TeamViewer installed, 
uh, you can control each other's computers and it's all free. He says it's cross platform and there's also an iPhone app for the person doing the helping. Uh, I recently used this in China with my MacBook being the helper to my mom in the UK using XP and later with my business partner in the UK who had a mail problem on her iMac. And I had to get her to hook up my iMac at the office uh, and then import mailboxes from the shared setup. I did this all with TeamViewer. It was a geek triumph, especially as TeamViewer traverses the great firewall of China. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, computer sharing team uh, team viewer team. Uh, I don't actually I was about to give you his URL because his company has something to do with teams as well. But uh, but I don't have the team viewer. URL. Well, I think it's teamviewer.com. That'll do it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Now, I just want to be clear because I investigated this a bit. It yeah. is free for non-commercial use. Okay. Okay. So just keep that in mind. I don't think they, yeah, they list pricing for various size uh, enterprises, small to large office. But yep. um, yeah, it sounds like that they don't, they don't lock it down or anything. So, and do you need to, um, do you need to install? I know you need to install software on the client computer but do you need to install software ahead of time on the host computer with this too that was that was get that far okay that was that was the one uh that was the one yeah i think you do you need to download it looks like in order to join a session you need to download a disk image and install that so so mm. it is it's not it's not as uh it's not as seamless a thing as as like like a go to assist which is one of our sponsors actually it's a sponsor we'll wind up talking about in the show uh, but of course, this is free so that, you know, may, maybe that's worth it. If you can set it up ahead of time, then, you know, then then this is something to check out for sure. And cool that they've got a, an iPhone app. That's um, that's pretty darn cool. I like that. Yeah, And helping someone with Windows from a Mac machine and vice versa. That's cool. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. They've got they've got one for the iPhone and uh, for the iPhone and for the iPad. So that's uh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, all right. Uh, you know, let's, talk, we're, we're here. Let's talk about Citrix. We, um, we, uh, Citrix, which is go to assist express. I need to pull up all the right information. Uh, again, you know, the, one of the benefits here. So the idea is go to assist lets you control another computer. The, the biggest benefit, uh, that, that we've saw that we saw John and the thing that kind of blew us away was, I went and set things up on my computer and then I gave John a URL and John was able to let me control his computer without installing anything. He didn't download a disk image. He didn't do, he went and visited it in his web browser, agreed to a couple of things. Yes. Some software was installed. It's a Java thing. So it happens kind of behind the scenes. There was no, uh, there was no disk image to download. There was nothing to do. If you, if, if uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, John, because you were on that end of the of the equation when we when we last tested it. Is that right? Yeah, I I, I didn't do anything before you initiated the connection. Right. With me. Right. So you know, if uh, if you're a, a, an IT consultant, right, this is this is something that's huge to you. One of the things that's going to kill you is the time spent driving around from client to client. And I know I had that. You know, when I moved back up uh, to New England from Texas, I had a bunch of clients down there. Now, go to assist wasn't around. I was using something else. But uh, to be able to and I had to install this on their computers while I was in Texas. And then, you know, I could connect from Connecticut. But the cool thing was not only did I go from uh, having to, you know, to travel to help somebody. Now I could help them from my desk, but I could work on four or five different clients, computers simultaneously 
sitting at my desk chair and I'd have four or five windows open. And the reality is, you know, if I'm installing software, or working on something, you know, there's progress bars. I always used to say I get paid to, uh, you know, my living is earned watching progress bars when I was doing consulting. Well, four progress bars equals four times the revenue or three times, right? Cause you got to spend the time at least once, but three times as much time with your family or however you want to do the math. Right. So, uh, so you can grow your business or you can, uh, you can shrink the time it takes to run your business and, uh, and go to assist express is, uh, is part of what's going to do that for you. You can get 30 days free, go to assist.com slash geek is the way to do that. Uh, again, go to assist.com slash geek. We'll get you 30 days free. All right, uh, let's see what Aaron has to say here. Hey, guys, this is Aaron from Rochester, New York, calling in with a cool thing found. Huh. On a couple past shows, Dave has talked about using Goodreader on his iPad to download video files from his Mac while he's out of town. A new iOS app called ZumoCast allows you to stream video or audio files to your iPad or iPhone from your Mac back at home. It will also allow you to download any of these files to your iOS device directly from your Mac back at home so you can avoid the VNC Dropbox Goodreader Tango. Uh-huh. Best part is it's all free. You can check it out at ZumoCast.com. This is where you cut me off. All right. And cut off. You shall be. That's uh, I got to check this out, John. Have you did you have a chance to play with it? The tango. I like that. I, it um, was. A, it's quite the tango. Kabuki yeah. dance. Yeah, it's <laughs> you do it right. Oh, yeah. 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 Not anymore. No, huh? I'm no, not, not going to anymore. Not with this. <laughs> <laughs> I almost thought he said Zombo. Calm, Dave. Have you ever been to Zombo calm? No, where are we sending our listeners now? Oh boy, it, it's fine. Z o m b o dot com. Just oh. you can do anything on zombo dot com. This is like Alice's restaurant. Oh, this is nice, John. This is good. All right, I'm not. I've got to close that because otherwise oh, the there's going to be a lot of up. dead air here while I'm hypnotized <clears throat> by zombo Pretty much, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, and, it, and it tells you how great it is to be there. And how you'll always be there. Zombocom. That's good. We had to uh, had to get the reverb up for for the day a little bit. Oh, so got to air it out. Um, we have talked. We got a couple, couple, three, five, six things left. I don't know. We got. All right, let's uh, let's do. The, we we talked about air display in the last cool stuff found show, and uh, and we have two audio comments about it. But I think I've only got the audio for one of them. So we're gonna go ahead and play one of them. Uh, and then I, I know what the other one was going to say. So, Hey, guys. This is Meg from Crescent City, California. I was just listening to Mac Geek Gab 288, and I was thinking about calling in to let you know about this really great iPad app I just found. But lo and behold, Dave starts talking about it. So the app in question is Air Display, and I have a really cool use for Air Display that I thought I'd share with you. I'm a teacher, but this tip is also applicable to business people who give presentations at work. Uh, anytime you hear the word student, you can just mentally substitute stockholder and you're good to go. Anyhow, at my school, we have teacher laptops with LCD projectors, but the big new thing is interactive whiteboards. And you guys have probably heard of these, but I don't know if you've gotten the chance to play with them. So basically, you hook your computer up to this LCG, LCD projector, um, but then you shine it. Instead of shining it on a regular old pull-down screen... It's a very fancy wall-mounted kind of solid screen that's touch-sensitive. And so what it essentially does is transforms this image into kind of a touch-sensitive second mirrored monitor for your computer. And then you can, you know, 
control your computer using your finger on the wall. Promethean board. It sounds kind of lame, but it is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it makes presentations much more interactive. Uh, and anything that you can do on your computer, you can show the students and they can see it, you know, live and big. And you can drive, again, using your finger. The students really enjoy it because they can come up and uh, draw on the screen, too, with their finger. Or, you know, a fake pen, but it's basically a finger. Uh, the problem with these is first, in order to use it, you have to turn around and face the wall, just like using an old-school chalkboard. And turning your back on students or stockholders uh, can probably be dangerous. Also, they run about $2,000, which is pretty spendy. So, uh, enter Air Display. Since Air Display causes your iPad to be treated as a wireless external monitor by your computer, you can go to Displays in System Preferences, and uh, under the Arrangement tab, you can toggle Mirror Displays. And at that point, your computer screen is still shining up on this old-fashioned pull-down screen, the cheap kind, but it's also going to show up on your iPad, which is touch-sensitive. So you can launch a graphics application or a presentation app on your Mac, and you can write on the surface of your iPad with a finger or a stylus, and it'll show up on the big screen. This is so much cooler than an interactive whiteboard because you don't have to turn your back on your students to use it. In fact, you can go... It's wireless, so you can go lurk behind potential troublemakers and kind of eyeball their notes as you go and say, so uh, how's that going, Billy Bob? Anyhow, um, since the image is also displayed on the iPad screen, it's much easier to use than some of the graphic tablets um, that I've used in the past to deliver wireless notes. Uh, also, you can pass the iPad to a student, and since they can see what they're writing, it's much easier for them to do, and they can do problems on the big screen, which is a big draw. Since it's your computer that's really doing all the work and storing all the data, the cheapest iPad will work fine, which only costs $500, as opposed to that $2,000 interactive whiteboard. Anyhow, I was so excited about this that I had to share it, and I know that if you've got any teachers in your audience, they're going to be interested, too. All right, you guys take care. Bye. Thanks, Meg. And uh, and yeah, Dave's comment was was along those same lines uh, that air display is touch sensitive in that anything you do with it mimics the the use of a mouse or a trackpad on your Mac. So if you're using air display to extend your Mac's monitor and you put something on that, you put a window in that display that uh, that you want to interact with. You do not have to use the mouse there. You can reach up and touch it uh, and, and you know, open windows or close windows or move windows around or whatever it is you want to do. So, yeah, very, very cool stuff. It's actually kind of cool. You can put a calculator up or whatever and, and you just reach up and, and touch it. So, uh, so yeah, it, it, it's a, you know, it's cool. It, it, as all this stuff sort of blends together and especially as 10.7 comes out and, and we start blurring the lines between you know, iOS and Mac OS and, and differentiating functionality. I think, I think it's going to be pretty interesting. Any, anything to, uh, to add here, John, before we move on to some of the more esoteric, actually, I've got some cool things too, but I think we've got one, one esoteric. Yeah. I got, yeah, I got a couple I can toss in at the end. All right. Uh, so Mark wrote in and he said, I accidentally stumbled on this while working with cinema 4d and unity preview the app built into Mac OS 10 
Can view, rotate, and zoom Collada. These are .dae files, which is the XML-based 3D file format. Uh, I can't seem to find many references due to this uh, to this on some forums, other than th- common 3D formats I've tried don't work. Uh, so he did. He put together a little uh, Mac Geek Cab. Uh, uh, experiment kind of thing where we could rotate the logo around and, and all that in a 3d view. But, uh, but yeah, that was, you know, interesting, cool little thing. And that's the point. All right. So I've, we've got a couple of these, uh, of our own. We've shared all, all the ones that you have sent in uh, you know, before we do that, Pete, you want to tell us quick about oh, your, yes. your tale of, tale of yeah. Okay. Well, my, uh, I'll go into a question, but the first thing I wanted to mention was, uh, John was talking about upgrading to ten six five, and many of you know, I, uh, run PGP whole disk encryption. Uh, oh, therefore I <laughs> you okay, man? No, I have not upgraded to ten six five. And the only reason I probably didn't was I happened to hear, uh, Victor Cahillao put out a, uh, about a four minute show last week and said, mm-hmm. um, and said that uh, uh, you got to watch out for that. Apparently, it overwrites a file when you put it in if you do it while encrypted, and uh, it'll leave you dead in the water. He unfortunately had a, a backup, uh, and then goes in. There's a link uh, to go to PGP and get the proper file and all that. But you need it. You still need a second drive to get yourself back up and running. Right. Uh, my suggestion would be to uh, decrypt, upgrade, re-encrypt. You should be fine with that. Would be my guess. Um, Besides, you know, I, de- I decrypt about eh, two or three times a year anyway just to run routine maintenance and, you know, the FSCK, that kind of stuff, just to keep the drive healthy. Yep. So. Cool. All right. Uh, yeah, thanks. Wanted to mention that's one of his recent shows. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, okay. So your tale of woe is not related to that. Your tale of woe is not related yet. to your stump the geek. For, yeah, fortunately, I, that's not my tale of woe. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, we'll, is, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, get, we'll come back around to the, okay. the stump the geek at the end here. All right. So. I I found a couple of iOS apps uh, and I'll I'll talk about I'll talk about both of them, but we'll pass it back and forth. So the first one that I found, John, is called App Switch. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but uh, especially on your iPhone 4 or iPhone 3GS or your iPod Touch uh, that can do multiple, uh, you know, the multitasking app switch comes up and it tells you what apps are active in the background. Uh, which is pretty cool because, you know, you can double tap on your home button to pull up that list of recently used apps, but that doesn't tell you what apps support multitasking and are still loaded in Ram. It, that stuff is managed by the OS. If the OS says, Hey, I need Ram. It's going to go to your apps. And the first thing it tells them is, uh, you know, low memory condition, eject everything that you can and we'll try and keep you alive. And, then it, if you know, once your apps do that, it might come back and say, sorry, uh, I still need more RAM. You got to go. And then it just forces your app to quit. And if your app doesn't quit, well, then it really forces it to quit. So the, the, the net is you don't know what's running actively on your iPhone. So what's cool is you launch this app and they have a database of all these processes. So they know exactly what they are. And if they if there's one that it doesn't know, you can actually submit it to them. But you go out and, you know, you find an app that's running and you can you can tap on it and you can say, oh, yeah, I want to get more info or I want to switch to that app. And when you get info, it tells you, uh, you know, what what's there. And and also, like, you know, I'm looking at Twitter later. Uh, it says, look, that this app was started on November 14th at 1028 p.m. It has not been ejected yet. I can switch to it. I can switch directly to because it's a Twitter app. It, it has a couple of paths in. I can switch directly to my friends view, to my messages view, to my mentions view. Or if I really know what I'm doing, I can go advanced 
and I can say switch and post a message or switch and go to a status with a certain ID. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's also got some kind of general system stuff where you can see, you know, your IP addresses and your Mac address and your UDID and all that. Uh, you can see how memory is used. You can see your iPhone's console log, which is pretty darn cool because that's not something that's otherwise easy to find. So, and, uh, and I believe, I believe this one was a freebie. I think I may have paid for it though. I, I, I can't remember, but, uh, but it's called app switch and uh, obviously available in the, in the app store. So that's, that's one of my cool things found since the last cool stuff found show, John, you got something else. You know, I don't know if I mentioned this, but it, it it's in the app vein, Dave. So I'm going to mention it again. in, in case you, you missed our last show, this is something called app trap. Okay. I don't know if you use this Dave. Nope. So what does AppTrap do? A lot of times, uh, when you throw an application away, so on the Mac, for the most part, when you throw an application away, it's gone. The, the, you know, there's a single icon, but there's, there's a lot buried within that. Unfortunately, macOS doesn't do a very good job of getting rid of some of the other files that may be associated, most notably preferences, but there could be application support files. You know, There's various places that we talked about in the past. AppTrap will help you get rid of those. And that when it sees you throwing things away, it'll do a check. And I'm not quite sure how they do their magic, but it usually is on the mark as far as what identifies. And it'll say, whoa, whoa, you're throwing something away. Um, you want to get rid of these preferences and other stuff, too? I'm like, oh, yeah. Now, it also gives a warning because what happens is that sometimes when you upgrade an application, it may also think because sometimes when you upgrade an app, it throws away the old one. So it'll come up and say, Okay, I detected something changed. By the way, if you're upgrading an app, don't agree to throw away the preferences because right. <laughs> then that could be bad. Right. So I've just found this uh, very useful to, to kind of make it a no-brainer to keep things clean. If uh, Because, you know, I think both you and I, just for the podcast and for other reasons, are, are going through apps a lot. And sometimes, you know, it's like, this isn't for me and I don't want all the cruft left over. So. Yep. Hazel does the same thing, you know. We've talked about Hazel Sweet. And, the, and the thing in the show before. So, yep. Cool. Awesome. That's all this does. It's its only purpose in life. And uh, yeah. It... Uh, so the next thing that I found, and I've heard of this in the past. In fact, we've had listeners mention it to us, but you know, it's one of those things until you use it, you don't really see the value uh, is an app called Vlingo V L I N G O man. This thing is so cool. And I've used it with both of you here, but you don't know it. Or, or maybe, maybe you don't know it. Uh, the idea behind Vlingo is that it's speech recognition. Now, yeah, there's Dragon out there, but the, this one is so much more streamlined to a workflow. You go in and you say, uh, you, you start the app up and you, you, you could just hold the, down the screen or tap the screen, whichever you like, and start speaking. And you can just start speaking text and it'll recognize it. And the recognition is really, really good. Uh, and it gets even better as you use it, but it's really good to start. But what's cool is instead of just saying, hey, meet me at the store at 10 p.m., I can say, text John Braun, meet me at the store at 10 p.m. And it's going to look in my address book, find your mobile number, create an SMS message that says meet me at the store at 10 p.m. and then fire it off for me. So really, really handy. I used it with Pete the other day to tell him uh, that we were recording the podcast last week, uh, kind of on an off schedule thing. And I was walking between the house and the office and I didn't want to stop to type because I was kind of in a rush. So I just fired up Vlingo and I just talked into it and it was completely flawless. I didn't have to edit it all. It just fired it off. 
Uh, and I've, I think I did it with an email last week to you, John. But yeah, I, this thing's great. Now, uh, it's free for the app, but and you can. So in addition to email and um, and and text, you can also do uh, you can have it. Uh, you can do searches so you can do like Google or Bing searches. You can have it dial your phone and you can have it update Twitter and or Facebook. Um, the email and SMS are not included as part of the free purchase. You got to do uh, an in-app purchase for 10 bucks to, uh, to add those. But I, I love it. I, I, it's almost the only way that I send text messages now. No need to text and drive anymore. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I have done it, you know, where I've been driving and thought, Oh, I want to send something. And then, Oh, wait a minute. I got blingo. I tap one button and I'm good to go. So yeah, it's, it's way, it really, really cool. So, and the last one app switch that I talked about was 99 cents, by the way. So that's, uh, that's mine. I got, I got one more, John. So, uh, do you, do you have one, John, Pete, anybody mm-hmm. hands got, in the air? I, I got, it's not really, well, it's cool stuff found. Uh, if you like paying ninety nine dollars for uh, mobile me, by all means go to Apple. But uh, just wanted to mention to people that there are third parties out there from where you can get them. I recently renewed for a year for forty seven dollars on eBay. So really, yeah, whoa. Yeah. So and I think the family packs were in the low sixties. Wow. So uh, there's much better prices to be had out there than uh, than the Apple Store. Sorry to undercut you, Apple guys, but uh, uh, and then you get you get a coupon code with that. And right. then you they just, just plug send it your in. code, plug it in. It says, uh, hey, you're due to expire on, uh, I think it was December 6th. Okay. Uh, and I say, and it, I want to renew. Okay, put in your code on December 6th. You'll renew for a year. Got it. Okay. Boom, boom. So cool. simple and easy and, and, and more than half off. Wow. That's huge. That's awesome. Uh, anything, John, before I, I talk about my last one? Nope. Why don't All you wrap right. it up? Okay. So to answer a listener's question, uh, somebody was asking, how do I subscribe to the premium show on the iPhone? Uh, and the trick of course, is that the premium show is not in the iTunes directory, uh, because they only, because they, they, it doesn't work that way. Um, you can subscribe in iTunes on your Mac, but you can't subscribe in iTunes on your phone. Enter podcaster, the app. And I think this one, you know, again, I, somebody can look up a price for me. One of you guys, um, And that would be you, John, because Pete doesn't have a computer. So please, Uh, the app is called Podcaster and you can subscribe in this podcaster app. The trick is that you have to put your username and password. You can subscribe to any podcast you want, but you have to put in the feed URL. So you can go get the feed URL at the website at MacGeekGab.com. But what you need to do is between the HTTP colon slash slash and then the rest of the URL you have to put your username and password in. So it's HTTP colon slash slash user colon password at, and then the rest of the URL. And that totally works. I was able to subscribe. And to be honest, now it's the only app that I use to, uh, to manage podcasts on my iPhone. Cause they download directly there. I don't have to sync back and forth to my computer uh, I put my favorite podcasts in. I can manage. Look, I want you to keep three episodes of this one and only the most recently unlistened to episode of that one. And it'll download again. It's, you know, it's subject to the AT&T limit. So it'll only download 20 megs or less over 3G. The rest has to be done over Wi-Fi. 
Uh, so each episode, like our episode, you could not download over over 3G, but you can over Wi-Fi. But it's so much easier to pull stuff down and manage it than having to sync up with iTunes. Because I don't know about you guys, but I never plug my iPhone into iTunes. It's just, you know, maybe once a week, hmm. but certainly not more frequently. Well, than I that. do it all the time because I don't have that. So because you don't have that's podcasts. That's why I have to have my dang laptop on the road all the time. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So did you, were you able to find the price, John? Uh, looks like it's one ninety nine. That sounds about right. If yeah. I'm finding the right product here. Yeah. I Way think that's too right. Expensive. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, let's see. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. I'm looking at everything here. Pete has about six minutes left and I he has a stump the geek question. The geeks. So, okay. So I mentioned at the last show that I have a, uh, on that was on the way. It arrived in the mail while I was gone this weekend. My brand new, uh, solid state drive. My new SSD, 256, 250 gigs, right? 256. Anyway, uh, so I, I, it arrived and I t- pulled it out this morning and I used super duper and made a clone of my hard drive. It, uh, super duper reported everything fine. Gave me the thumbs up. So I powered down the computer, flipped it over, swapped out the drives, put the new drive in, powered it up. And I've got a gray screen. I don't get a logo. I don't get a chime. I don't get nothing. And that was about five minutes before I was time to come over here for the show. So that's okay. why I've got no troubleshooting done whatsoever. All what right. did I goober? Uh, so, so okay. So, John, uh, the first thing I would do here is I would boot from the, I'd put the DVD in, the Mac OS X DVD. Okay. And try and boot oh. from that. All right. All right. You know, because that way, if you can get it to boot, that's a good sign. And I also have Well, that's the not the first thing I'd do. And I also have the original drive, which I could you stick try in a USB, you know, because I have a drive reader, USB. Right, yeah, right. Okay. So what's the first thing you would try, John? The first thing I would try, Dave, is I would boot the machine and I would hold down, I think it's the option key, yep. which is the startup manager, and see if you see anything. Right, now, and I wouldn't expect a new drive to show up as bootable because you haven't put anything. Oh, you oh, have yeah, no, put I stuff on it. it. I cloned Right, uh, since you cloned it, and I did a similar thing, though I use Carbon Copy Cloner, but my expectation is that it should. Now, now sometimes the Mac gets confused as to... Yeah. Oh, you know, uh, well, which, if any device, it should boot from. So it may be, and actually, I think we talked about this in the past, Dave. I think uh, a lot of Macs, maybe not the current ones, but they'll default trying to do in a net boot, and that can take a real long time. So that machine may be so confused, it's like, ah, let me go on the network, which probably isn't present, and see if there's any bootable device. So hold down Option, and you should see. I think that's it is called Startup Manager, or it's a version of Startup Manager, and it'll show you any eligible devices. Yeah, as a reality check, and I think you were going in this direction, Pete, is that you probably have uh, a case, an external USB or FireWire case that you could toss the old drive into and just see if it. Yeah, so it, right. I w- I would do that. So number one, you know, it should indicate whether it's. Uh, the, I think the icon will tell whether it's the internal drive or an external. You know, with either a USB or a FireWire. Icon. Before yeah. you shut down, did you go into startup disk and select the SSD as your boot drive? I did not. No, I just, okay. um, yeah. No, so a PRAM reset would, would potentially also okay. flush that But I'm out. not even getting a chime, which is, that's what's disconcerting to me. Yeah. I'm not getting a chime. Or... Yeah, that's a bad sign, man. Yeah. yeah. That, that's telling me like firmware stuff, right? Well, or, or that RAM jogged loose. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's, po- you know, yeah, yeah. But yeah, anything's not, possible. I mean, any, the machine is, didn't yeah. move in theory, but yeah. It, right. You you opened it up plenty moved. 
I did no such thing. <laughs> I'm never willing to admit to that that's, in public. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Exactly. Just on this show. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. I'm saying that if I had done this, this is what would have happened. I, right. I didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd try. Yeah. Okay. Your thing, John, the option key, that that's probably the least invasive thing to test, right? Because there's nothing, you're not doing anything to the computer other than pressing a button. Uh, if that doesn't work, try booting from the, the DVD. If that doesn't work, get the drive out of there. And I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily even put another drive in. Try the USB method. Yeah, just yeah. but again, boot from the DVD, get disk utility up, and make sure the machine's working, and then start attaching devices via USB and see what you know what comes around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. it's uh, just just a reminder, uh, it's command option PR for the uh, for the PRAM. PRAM reset. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Huh. Not good. You and I both are, are down. It's not good. Yeah, got to go get a MacBook Air now. I guess that's, mm-hmm. that's 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 my next step. I'm heading out the door as soon as we finish. Oh wait, yeah. I have other things. Me to too. Do. Except I got to get my daughter off the bus. If yeah. I come, if I come home with a MacBook Air and no daughter, my my wife won't be happy. No, <laughs> no, you won't be letting the house. No sense of humor about that stuff. No, <laughs> no, they don't laugh at all when you do that stuff. No. But honey, look, a new MacBook. But yeah, look, it's shiny. Squirrel. Uh, there's nothing. No. They don't. Or even better. I thought you were watching her. Yeah. <laughs> kids? What kids? <laughs> uh, all right. I think, I think, we're done. Right? Mm-hmm. Are we? We finished? All right, good. Uh, you can send stuff into us. 206-666-GEEK is the phone number to call, and GEEK is... Four three three five. Though I don't think you send things to that number, Dave. Well, you s- you could try. You send, you send your <laughs> you send love. your voice. That's right. You send your, and your love. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, feedback at macgeekgab.com is the address to send. Now you're talking. All right, good. I would definitely send to feedback at macgeekgab.com. No, 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 John. It's feedback at macgeekgab.com. Now you're splitting hairs. <laughs> uh, no, that would be premium at MacGeekGab.com. If you're a premium subscriber, you can send in over there. Uh, you can check out MacGeekGab.com in your web browser for all the show notes that John puts together. And, of course, you can Skype us at MacGeekGab as well. Uh, yeah, that's good enough for today. And if you go to MacGeekGab.com, you can also search all the show notes going back to forever. Maybe not quite forever, but... Yeah, I think it is forever. But yeah, if you remember something that we talked about and, and uh, we put yeah. in the show notes, you'll uh, you'll find it. And if you want to know when the show notes are coming out or when the shows are coming out, then, then there's this thing called Twitter, which still seems to be working. Um, Mackie Gab is news about the podcast. I'm John F. Ron. Dave Hamilton is Dave Hamilton. Pilot Pete is Pilot Pete, and Mac Observer is Mac Observer. It couldn't be any easier. It just gets it, it, it just gets simpler every day is what happens. I would like to thank Michael Johnston, who is Michael Johnston on Twitter, for uh, from the We Have Communicators podcast. He converts this to AAC. Uh, Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com, uh, provides all the bandwidth. The podcast marketplace includes the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, uh, Yojimbo and BB Edit from Barebones Software, Disc label from smile and notebook from circus ponies and of course go to assist.com slash geek for 30 days free of go to assist express all through the backbeat media podcast network 
Next uh, next show in the normal feed is going to be show number 300, which I think we're going to try and do something next Monday. Pay attention oh, to our Twitter feed. We might do something live. We might have some special guests. I don't know what we're going to do. We have some ideas. Take the day off. <laughs> That's right. Premium version uh, show 299 is coming up on Thursday, assuming the schedule sticks between now and then. Have fun, but don't get caught. Yeah. Made up.